Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is the Burgundy Network Podcast with Josh Taylor, HTTR. What's up, Redskins fans? Welcome to another episode of the Burgundy Network Podcast. This episode, as always, is brought to you by the team at Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Today, I have from my new team at Full Press Coverage, Redskins, Alan Lapori. Alan, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. How you doing today? I'm doing good. Definitely appreciate you coming on because we got some hot topics floating around the fan base. Um, that we're definitely going to get to. And there's one in particular that fires me up that I've been uh, reading about lately that I can't wait to get into. But first things first, you know, uh, Ron Rivera had his press conference earlier this week. And I know, you know, you paid attention to that and did an awesome write-up for full press coverage that I highly recommend everyone take a look at. Um, it's just an awesome breakdown of the whole, like, well, it's like a 30-minute video press conference of Ron. Like, how long was it? It was, I think, maybe 45 minutes. Yeah, it's pretty lengthy. So. Yeah. So if you don't have 45 minutes, I highly recommend you check out Alan's Breakdown because um, it saves you a good bit and pulls out all those nuggets. So definitely want to highlight that, break down some things that have been happening with 106.7 The Fan um, and a hashtag we're starting. Like I said, we got to talk about this press conference because there's been a lot of questions that we've been, you know, asking as a fan base, like what's Ron's approach to free agency? Like, how did this turn out? What's the draft going to be like? And this, this had like answers to everything in it. So I'm excited. Um, but what's your initial reaction? You know, just after you watched it, was it like a refreshing to kind of see what his plans were? What was just your overall summary of this press conference? Yeah, I, I think the the transparency uh, to everything. Um, you know, we're coming off the Bruce Allen regime uh, and not really getting much. And and when we got something, it wasn't the whole truth. Um, so that, just having Ron uh, interact the way he did with the press and the Redskins PR um, office being so willing to put this on and let you know I. I was able to, to listen to it through the Team 980, letting the, uh, that local radio station stream it, so we had that access. Um, were, were some some of the overall overarching structural changes that uh, that I noticed. Um, now, specifically with Ron, um, he he didn't hold back. He doesn't seem like he's holding back, but also without giving too much away. Yeah. Uh, you know, with the Trent Williams, he's going to say what he needs to say. Um, with Quentin Dunbar and, and Nante Nicholson as well. Uh, he pretty much got his point across without um, g- giving too much away. Uh, so that's that's kind of my thing if, from what I took away from that press conference. Yeah, it definitely is a transparency there, but he's not going to, you know, you know, Riverboat Ryan, he's not going to show you all of his cards, uh, so to say. But, you know, the one thing that really stuck out to me was when he was talking about, I forgot who asked about it, but just really asking what the role of Dan Snyder has been in all of this. And he was like, honestly, it's just, you know, I talk to him almost every single day, if not every day. And it's just Dan wanting to know what's going on. How are we like going along in the process, just staying informed and, you know, not really putting his hands in there. Cause you know, we have been critical um, of Dan Snyder recently. Um, But I personally have kind of backed off a little bit, you know, kind of 
giving him more room and you know giving him a second chance to take a look at everything. How do you feel about you know with Dan's role and everything? Are you still kind of critical of Dan? Or are you kind of you know backing off and saying, all right, Snyder, you know, I kind of trust what you're doing right now? So I think there, I have cautious optimism, uh, and I think a lot of the fan base does. Um, you know, Snyder when he first came in, he was young, hungry, wanted to, I guess, have like a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. There were reports that he had like a Napoleonic complex when he first came to the league, um, and he wanted to do everything by himself. Uh, and then for the first 10 years, that's essentially what he did. He was fully hands-on. He had, you know, Vinny Serrato there. Um, and it really blew up in his face, basically playing Madden with, with free agency and, and trading. Um, then I, I, he must have heard all the criticism, and then the, he decided to take more of a hands-off approach. Um, and the next 10 years, and we saw with Bruce Allen, what ended up happening, where Dan pretty much took a, a mostly hands-off approach, except for, you know, the Haskins and the RG3 stuff. Um, he just kind of let Bruce run rough shot and destroy in this franchise. Um, so now we're seeing Dan come in and with, uh, I think, probably a more mature sense of how he needs to run the team. Um, with it being his primary primary focus uh, compared to other, all his other business ventures. And I think it also it's a, it's a, a tribute to Ron understanding how he needs to come in and handle this as well. Um Ron, it seems like he is letting Dan think that Dan is coming up with all these great ideas and following through on them and being like, hey, look what we did. Look at what you approved. This is this is great. Um, Let's try this X, Y and Z. So I think there is a little bit of maturity in Dan's sphere in his head. Uh, And then also the gamesmanship in a way by Ron. Ron clearly knows what he's walking into. He wouldn't have taken it this job without knowing it talking with Joe Gibbs and others in the organization and outside the organization. Um, Dan has a reputation amongst the NFL. Uh, so, you know, Ron, Ron is aware of it. Um, so I think Ron's approach, basically, I think kind of keeping him informed, being a direct line, not having a middleman, um, is what's going to, I think ultimately determine if we have success. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see after two years, um, what happens? Uh, Ron has been open and honest, and I think Snyder's uh, has a realization and is honest about this. Next, this season is going to be terrible. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be a lean year, and I think fans are understanding and know that that a true rebuild is happening. Uh, and as we say, you know, in Ron we trust, and we're trusting Ron. It's it's slow, but you know this wasn't a good necessarily the best free agent class, and I know fans were frustrated by it. Um, and without all the major free agent signings or not spending a lot of money uh, and people are, are upset or some people are upset. Um, but for the most part, I, I think there is a good overlay of um, cautious optimism when it comes to Snyder's input uh, and handling of the team. Yeah. And the one thing that you said, um, you know, talking about Ron's um, timetable for success, that's something that was asked in the, the conference and, he said, you know, it's not going to happen overnight. We realize this. You know, we're being realistic. Um, but we do know that it has to happen soon. And he kind of pointed to Carolina um, how year three was really like the turning point where they started to, you know, rise in their stock and, you know, have more success on the team. So I think it's more realistic. He says, you know, once again, he believes in this young core. He likes what we have here. Um, and the biggest thing is just the fan support and, you know, everyone being all in on this. And, 
it's absolutely going to be a rebuild. We're not going to go to the playoffs next season. I, I and I want people to be realistic. I really hope you know by the time the season comes, people aren't you know hyping ourselves up and just you know if 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 we improve, that's that's a successful season to me. Like I, I'm not basing it off of how many wins. I just want to see the product on the field. I want to see what's being built, and I just want to see you know what the future does look like. So that to me was really refreshing to know. You know, we're not getting desperate for wins. We're not signing these huge, ridiculous contracts like Albert Hainsworth in the past. And he talked about Cooper. He said, you know, we went all in on him, missed out. We were there to the very end, and he chose Dallas. You know, he kind of confirmed that they weren't really in on Hooper like the fan base and everyone else assumed they were. Um, But talking about free agents, he kind of confirmed that, you know, he wanted these guys to come in that either fit his culture or fit you know the needs on the team but also like these low year you know uh low risk high reward deals so when he kind of talked about the free agency what was the one thing that kind of stood out to you you know kind of confirmed that he knew what he was doing this whole time yeah so i think that the thomas davis signing uh really showed it um you know thomas davis still has a lot of gas in the tank um he can still play even at his age um, but you know, bringing him in, even after resigning John Bostic, um, it's culture, it's culture, culture, culture. Um, and it's working to flesh out all these guys that took advantage of the Bruce situation and just, you know, be me, me. Um, I don't care what anybody else thinks. I'm just going to do, you know, my job and that's it. I'm not going to care about the team. Uh, so I think that's just kind of the biggest takeaway is he wants guys who are hungry that can play that want to show that they can play. Uh, Ronald Darby is another great example. Um, uh, you know, my wife's a huge Philadelphia Eagles fan. She's from Philly. Uh, and so I, I would get to watch a lot of the Eagles games uh, alongside the Redskins games. And the one thing I noticed about Darby is uh, he, he's, a, he's a gamer. He's a baller. He went healthy and on the field and utilized correctly, which wasn't always the case in Philadelphia. Um, he, he could be a borderline Pro Bowl cornerback. And having him on the outside opposite of most likely Fabian Moreau, uh, he is going to be successful now. Obviously, there's an injury now, you know, question about him, um, so that he has to prove he can stay healthy and on the field. So I think with uh, what Jack Del Rio and what Ron want to do on defense, uh, I think that someone like a Ronald Darby and a Sean Davis can succeed as long as they can stay on the field. Um, and also, I think a lot of it shows in who they were re-signing as well. Um, you know, obviously, I just mentioned John Bostic. Uh, but they don't want to be hampered by a lot of caps. So is that part of the reason why Ryan Kerrigan hasn't been extended or re-signed? We know Snyder loves Kerrigan. Kerrigan is the face of this franchise. Um, but is Kerrigan's most recent injury problems last year? He's getting older. He's showed a little bit of slowing down. Um, so is Ron, are, you know, Ron not really necessarily wanting to commit three years to Kerrigan at a high tag price when he could use that cap space next year uh, to bring somebody else in who is just on the same level as Kerrigan, younger, um, and might be more uh, less injury prone at this point. Because as, as you start to get older in, in football years, as you see, once one injury happens, they can start to pile up. So I think there is a huge show me what you got. Um, I don't know you, as was mentioned with Ben Dunbar, which we can talk about later. Um, Show, show me that you want to be here. Show me that you want to be part of this team. Show me, show me that you want to be part of this culture, uh, and you want to turn this thing around. Um, so I think that's 
kind of the big overarching approach we've seen with these signings. Yeah, that's you know that's good points, and it's it's all about you know guys that want to be here, guys that can come in. And uh, Pete Haley asked about it, um, you know, like these short term deals, and he said these are all guys that are borderline ready to start, and they're hungry and they're going to compete in training camp. And I saw Latimer's uh, contract yesterday; it was like not even a million dollars guaranteed; it was like eight hundred thousand. And just the upside that a guy like that could bring, you know, even on top of Darby, who he was really high on, um, he said that's the one he's really excited about. Don't be surprised if there's these battles in training camp that we're talking about, if there is training camp, hopefully, um, that come from these guys that we did sign. And uh, I think Ron really is just saying, like, hey, let's see what we got and see who's going to come in and be a part of the future. It's all that rebuilding uh, spot there. So, Talking about the future, he kind of talked about the plans for the draft and what that's going to be like, um, you know, not only prepping for everything, but what do you think is going to be the hardest part for the coaching staff, you know, going into the draft, doing everything virtually, um, and just really, you know, not being part as a team? Um, so I definitely, <laughs> I think uh, doomsday scenario for this for them would be obviously everything technically crashing um, and then running into problems like that. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think they'll, they'll be fine. Um, but, but seriously, though, a doomsday scenario, I think, for them that I, I'm pretty sure they're preparing for is uh, what if somebody takes Chase Young at first overall? What if the Bengals decide, you know what, Chase Young, we, we can't pass him up or someone say like the Giants or the Lions uh, jump over the Redskins and take him at number one. Um, then it's, it could potentially leave them in a little bit of a scramble to figure out what they want to do, whether it's draft Isaiah Simmons or Jeffrey Kuda at two or trade back and acquire more draft capital. Um, so I think, uh, you know, like you said, uh, th- there's going to be some issues and concerns potentially with communication. Um, I think that would be kind of like their first test. Um, but Ron trusts Kyle Smith. I think that's one of one of the biggest takeaways from this conference call was that Ron Rivera loves him some Kyle Smith. Oh yeah. Kyle Smith was talked up more than I think probably any other person that was talked about on the conference call. Um, he has deep trust in his draft board. He would not stop talking about the young core on defense that Kyle brought in. Um, so yes, yeah, so I think that is. Uh, a little bit of a concern, but I think there there is trust there that you know just trust by the board. I'm sure um, Ron and Kyle and Dan will probably be on a separate conference call. I don't have insight to that. I'm just guessing how they would approach it. That's at least how I would approach it. Um, you'd have a Zoom, but also just have a three way call going with those three just in case something crashes. And you'd be like, okay, um, we're good. Let's go. Um, and there was also reports yesterday. I forget who reported it, so I apologize to whomever. Um, that there's going to be a cutoff at the four-minute mark, uh, at least with the first-round pick. Um, you know, the teams, I think, get 10 to 15 minutes, but uh, if there's nothing happening, no trades uh, at the four-minute mark uh, of the clock, uh, if there's nothing there, they're just cutting off so there's no last-minute scrambling and talking over and confusion. So I think they, they have a plan in place. And Ron comes from a military background. So if you think that Ron doesn't have plan B through plan B um, mapped out, uh, in case something happens and falters, uh, you got you have to be out of your mind. Ron, Ron is prepared for for pretty much anything, even though technology might scare him a little bit. Yeah, I think he 
probably even has a plan E. He probably, probably has someone just floating around on a computer somewhere just making sure everything goes well. But it's definitely interesting. Um, I'm excited to see what happens with it because there are so many questions. I think they said they're going to run a, uh, a trial uh, mock draft with all the uh, the teams. So I think that'll be good. Um, and I know that's something that's kind of we've talked about. People can actually – I didn't know this, but apparently people can hack your Zoom and um, – I think that would be worst case scenario, but with as much money the NFL has, they have to have some kind of security for that. Like I'm sure they've even reached out to whatever platform they're going to reach and say, "Hey, we're about to have the freaking NFL draft. Like, what can we do to um, enhance security?" So it's definitely going to be interesting. But he uh, definitely talked really high about Kyle and said, "You know, he has his board." And the thing that was you know, refreshing to me also was he said Kyle Smith has his board laid out already. You know, every position coach has already done their film breakdown. He said, you know, being trapped in this house without TV and everything, just moving in. I've already, you know, gotten my full write-up done. And the next five days, we're going to be working nonstop together and just kind of breaking down everything and getting ready for that. So knowing that Kyle has his um, board ready because like you said he has been so successful in the past with these drafts uh, i'm interested to see you know how they get on the same page and how they kind of figure out who's who but ron has a lot of trust in kyle as as do we um so i, I i'm pretty certain that you know with the number two pick we're definitely going to be getting chase young i would say it's a lock right now and that's something that was brought up that ron said you know with that number two pick they have to be immediate impact guys and you know not he's not afraid to start rookies so this guy needs to be able to come in especially top five picks he said do you think there's any kind of you know i would say confidence that you could trade back to four or five and get that same kind of impact out of chase young or do you think ron's pretty set right now at two i think i think ron's pretty set at two um Tony Pauline was on the Zabe show yesterday talking about how Chase Young is going to be the first edge guy off the board, and it's pretty much a lock that he's going to Washington. Um, obviously, there's that 0.1% chance that something out of the blue happens, um, that you know Chase gets taken at one. But I think uh, I, I have Chase locked in at two. I pretty much have, the, I think, the top, at least what the draft board that I'm working on, the mock draft for the first round, I have the top nine or ten pretty much locked in and set. Okay has Chase Young going at two. Now the concern with, if you were to trade back to say five with Miami, because Miami um, maybe really likes Justin Herbert over Tua and really just wants to snag Herbert or really trusts that Tua is healthy uh, and won't get, you know, will be there for more than a few years and won't continuously get hurt. Um, the, the Giants are the wild card here, I think at four. Um, Gettleman is, Gettleman is Gettleman. I'll yeah. just put it nicely. Um, nobody really knows what he's going to do. Um, there's talk that he will take Isaiah Simmons at four. There's more talk that he'll take uh, Tristan Wirfs at four to protect their uh, their franchise quarterback and Daniel Jones. Um, I, I'm leaning more towards Tristan Wirfs being that tackle that they take. I, I, I'm not as high on Wirfs, but, you know, Gettleman is Gettleman. Um so I think the Giants is the biggest concern. I think even the Lions uh, signed a bunch of cornerbacks this offseason. I think they want that true shutdown cornerback. Um, they could probably they probably feel like they can get an edge rusher or a defensive lineman uh, in the second round that'll be able to help uh, put some pressure on the quarterback. 
Um, and, and even at five, if, even if for some reason Chase Young doesn't get taken, they, they trade back and Chase Young does get taken uh, before they sit there at five with the Dolphins, uh, you still have someone like Isaiah Simmons sitting there who um, is considered kind of like a quote-unquote Avenger uh, defensive back who can play pretty much anywhere. Uh, he doesn't have like a specific position. Um, so he'd be someone who could cover the middle of the field at linebacker, at safety. You can put him in the slot. Um, you can have him rush the quarterback, even though he needs to work on some of his pass rushing and block shedding. Um, so I think uh, the Giants really could be the, the wild card there if they decide to trade back. Yeah, something I've been thinking about recently, and you're right, you know, Giants are a huge mystery when it comes to the draft. They've made some questionable picks. Um, but the one team that I'm kind of just thinking more and more about that's a wild card to me is Jacksonville. You know, where are they sitting at, like, nine or something like that? Yeah, they're sitting at pick nine. And they have a ton of picks this season. So, like, my question is, if they, you know, do lose out on Yannick, how much would they be willing to give up to move up for a guy like Chase Young? I mean, they have a ton of picks to be able to do so. Or are they, you know, comfortable with, you know, starting and riding out with Gardner Minshew? So I think them and uh, maybe even the Raiders might be a team to watch that might possibly move up. But to be honest with you, if if you're Jacksonville and you want Chase Young, you obviously have to get ahead of us. But if you're any other team that wants a quarterback, and I've been saying this for a while now, you're trading with Detroit. Because Detroit can move back a few spots. Like, I don't think they're 100% sold on Akuda um, or Simmons. I mean, they should be. But I feel like, you know, if they're getting more picks, because they don't have a lot this season, I feel like they'd be okay with moving back, you know, riding out with Stafford for a couple more years. But I think those are the two wild card teams to watch for. And um, I think the Patriots move up and get Jordan Love also. Um, I know they're high on Stidham, but don't be surprised if they try to jump up in the top 15. Uh, Belichick's definitely going to want his future quarterback. Um, so, yeah, there's a bunch of things to watch out for, but just listening to Ron, and I don't know why, but people say the more he talks, the more I think like we're open to trading back or he loves Tua. I get the complete opposite feeling. I feel like he knows how much of an impact Chase Young has. He's talked about how, you know, well, this isn't just going to be like our Super Bowl or bust season. Like, we're building, and that's the kind of guy you want to build around. You can fill your needs but if you can have that best player available, then you do it. Um, so, so one thing that I would I would point out is, and it's been pointing pointing out more and more as we've gotten closer to the draft, and just kind of reiterate this: uh, Ron, uh, as the head coach in Carolina, he never traded back in the first round. Hmm. So that's something we we should all recognize. So unless, and he and you're right, he mentioned this on the call, unless it's absolutely a franchise altering draft haul that they can get, and I'm talking more than three or four first-round picks, plus a couple seconds, plus, 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 um, where they can really fill out the roster. Um, still have a lean year this year, but really be able to take that next step in 2021. Um, I, I don't see Ron Ron trading back. And I think the Tua talk is um, it's supposed to happen. He's going to get questions, so he's got to talk about it and address it. Uh, but I don't think he's uh, as fully sold on Tua and his health as uh, others might be might think he is yeah and you know huge Alabama fan as we all know I'm you know ecstatic to see him healthy and we talked about it in our group chat um you know his longevity you know you pray he stays healthy but you know if, if he was that injured in college you can only imagine what the NFL is going to be like you know, you know you have these bigger guys and it's a faster competition in my opinion 
Um, so that'll be interesting to watch. But I think the whole Tua talk thing, um, like you said, it's just him doing his job as the coach. If Chase Young goes number one, then you're sitting there like, oh, we weren't ready for this. Like I did not do my job as a coach to really play out the whole playing field. And I forgot who it was, but someone said that uh, Chase Young was only interviewed with like the Redskins and the Bengals and maybe even Detroit like briefly, but no one else even you know, made an effort to talk to him because they know there's no way he goes past three. So it's me that kind of reiterated that, but talking about Tua, it kind of, it's a good segue into the uh, 106.7, the fan, uh, or the haters as we like to say, um, kind of bringing that up. It seems like they really love to hit home on this whole idea of Tua, you know, whether it's the Redskins, you know, putting this thing on uh, their website saying to it to the Redskins possible like they but they've done that with every player but they love to pick out that one of course when they do Tua so what do you think it is about Tua and this whole quarterback you know controversy they like to say that really kind of fuels them to say what they say yeah so I think I think (laughs) I think um they are running with a lot of what the national media is talking about. And I think Trent Dilfer's comments the other day kind of fueled this. Um, for whatever reason, I, I don't know their thinking behind it or uh, I don't have any real insight behind you know, why there is a lot of negativity surrounded uh, by them with Dwayne Haskins. Um, and it really kind of started when Dwayne bought the Bentley. Um, and one of the sports junkies, or the junkies as they like to be called now, um, basically put him on blast for, for, for whatever reason, telling him he shouldn't be buying a Bentley, you know, so on and so forth, which I find kind of ridiculous. Don't tell another man how to spend his money. Exactly. Um, um, so I, I, I don't know what it is. I know there was a lot of Kirk love at that station. Um, and then Haskins comes in, and, uh, you know, there there were some questions of maturity issues, but it hasn't really necessarily shown. Um, you know, they're gonna they're gonna report what they feel like will drive listeners and clicks uh, and the conversation. Um, whether it's Dwayne kind of reposting his his selfie at the end of the Lions game, which you could yeah you take it for what it's worth. I didn't it didn't bother me. Um, it's just Dwayne being Dwayne, um, getting excited, getting ready to come back to work. Um, and putting the work in. Um, but I think a lot of it is uh, a, a lot of reactionaries to, oh, well, we do this, but somebody else does that. Why can't we get a break when it turns out they're actually not doing similar things that the Redskins website is doing. Redskins do um, draft previews for all uh, all potential picks at that number two pick uh, in a straight uniform fashion. Like you'll see, for the most part on full press coverage, and, and at least press coverage Redskins, you'll see uniform, uh, you know, draft preview for X player for X team. And, and it'll be, for the most part, similar uh, and in a uniform way without bringing stuff up. But you also have to look back. You know, these were done back in March, not being done now. when We already know what's going to happen. Um, so I think a lot of it's driven kind of just for ratings, for for the shock value. Um, and also there there is, you know, a, you have to talk about and report a little bit of what the national media is talking about and uh, and how you go about it is your business. I would not necessarily have gone about it the way they have. Um, 
uh, and it seems like they're more talking down and uh, belittling Haskins when they're having these conversations, um, and uh, when instead we should be talking about how Haskins uh, is the franchise quarterback, how Haskins is going to be here because Ron wouldn't be here if Ron didn't believe in Haskins, um, and also talk about how solid he performed at the end of last year in a system that wasn't built for him, where they did not utilize his strengths for most of the season. Um, and also he, he came in with a head coach who just did not want him. Uh, so Haskins was put in a really terrible situation last year um, for, for a rookie franchise quarterback. So I think that's where a lot of it's coming from. Um, I guess, you know, the hate on the team and the players rates better than being positive. Uh, I, I guess that's the case. I know in journalism 101, they, they tell you headlines, but if it bleeds, it leads. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, I guess in this case, uh, the bleeding is bashing Dwayne Haskins. It's third and long. The quarterback's got to shave some yards off here to have any chance to score. Let's see what he does. He drops back. He has a guy downfield, but he doesn't see him. He tries to hand the ball off to a cheap razor. Boom! He's nicked in the sack. It's a fumble, and the ball is going the other way. That one's going to hurt for a while. What in the world was he thinking? Let's go to the monitors and see exactly what went wrong. You know, this offseason, his coaches at Manscaped enhanced the lawnmower 3.0 offense to a whopping 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. They gave him all the chances he had to get that safe, clean cut up the sideline with the cutting edge ceramic blade, but instead he got nicked on the sack by a rusty defense. He would have used the LED light that comes with the 3.0. There is no doubt he would have been able to see his playing field much better. Looks like he's going to be going over to the sideline with his Manscaped coaches. Grab the tablet, see what went wrong, and if he's smart, he's going to go over to manscaped.com and use the code BNP20 to save 20% off his entire cart with free shipping. That's right. Use code BNP20 to save 20% off your entire cart with free shipping. Don't keep making the same mistakes and give your balls a clean pocket next time. And there's no doubt the result will be a touchdown. So that's just kind of my observation of it. Um, I think there's a lot of it. I was talking to, I was actually talking to Chris Russell. Chris is a good friend. Um, he's, he's been very kind to me, generous to me. Uh, with with the work that I've done and, and giving me advice, um, and, and we were talking about how um, with African American quarterbacks, especially in the city, and uh, rightfully or wrongfully, I, I I think this is rightfully so. Um, there's a lot of sensitivity when it comes to the African American quarterback with the Washington Redskins. Everything that you know, with the recent death of Bobby Mitchell and it being shown what he did for this fan base for African African Americans in the South. Um, because the Redskins were the only like true Southern team at that time when he came in and played. There were no Falcons, no Panthers, and such. Um, so he was the first African-American to play for the Washington Redskins. And you had Doug Williams, who won uh, the MVP of the Super Bowl, first African-American quarterback to win the MVP of the Super Bowl. So there's going to be, um, with how much distinction there is when it comes to being an African-American player and quarterback on this team, there is going to be extra criticism of those who criticize uh, the African-American quarterback. Um, yeah. And we've even so. seen it with Lamar Jackson in Baltimore just saying, like, oh, we'll switch positions, you know, so-and-so. And, I mean, I'd say, you know, that we had our share of the RG3 talk. Um, like I said, the whole Kirk Cousins thing is probably fueling a good bit of it, but 
to me, it's just kind of strange seeing, you know, grown men twice your age just picking on a guy. And I would just love to pull up these guys, you know, lives when they were in college and seeing exactly how they were living and um, stuff like that. So I'm not one to judge. You know, if you're going to spend your money on however you want to spend it, then, like, you've earned that right. Like, I'm not going to tell another man, and I, I pray no one ever tells me how to spend my money. Um, yeah, so, think, hold on, just uh, real quick. I, I think they are just not culturally necessarily aware of what they're saying and how it's perceived. Yeah. I think they're a little bit out of touch and, you know, God bless the junkies and, and all that. They, they work really hard and the junkies have been around for 20 years um, and they keep coming back and they, they keep having their show. But I think there is a, a cultural out of touchness, even though it's not probably not really a word uh, that it seems like uh, their, their radio talent has when it comes to um, RG3 and RG3 dug his own grave, but initially with RG3 and then with now Haskins, um, and the criticism that comes along with that. Um, so I think I think there's just a little bit of a lack of awareness. Is that um, kind of like they're I, just old school? No, no, I wouldn't say old school. I think they just, uh, they're not, some of them, not all of them. I'm not going to clump all of them together because yeah. someone like uh, Cakes and Lurch, they're, they're, they're very well-sounded and in touch. Um, but I think they just don't realize what their words ha- mean and how it resonates. Yeah. Um, across the community and across the fan base and um, you know they'll have the, the loyal listeners but I think for the most part you're starting to see it now kind of a bad reaction uh, to how um, they're handling their coverage of, of Dwayne um, and I don't know what's going to happen um, I, and at this point in time I hope nobody loses their job I, I can't, I, I'm not advocating for that um, but I think there's going to be some sort of repercussions at some point this season um, if it continues to happen absolutely and you know you started that hashtag that we've all been using i the hashtag i stand with haskins great idea by you and i'm sure he's seeing it but it's just showing like as a fan base like we don't let local media and you know we do have good local media guys but as a fan base i've always been about you know our voices and how we feel and not really letting the media kind of you know I would say not really control, but, you know, be that front face of how we actually feel as fans because, you know, we don't always agree. Like, we love Kime, JP, and all of them, but, you know, it's okay to have your own voice. So, you know, huge shout-out to you for coming up with that idea. Um, I think that was awesome, and it was popping last night. So I expect to see more of it. joke, uh, kind of joking around that we should do this, and all of a sudden it it blew up. My my notifications were going crazy apparently overnight. Yeah. (laughs) Look, look I, I think we should be supporting Dwayne as much as possible. He, he was in a terrible situation last year, as I mentioned before, with, with Jay and Bruce and, and then Bill Callahan coming in and not really wanting to shape the offense around his strengths at the, at the start. Um, and with everything now going on where he's having limited prep time with OTAs being canceled and, and nobody knowing what's going to happen with training camp, uh, I think our, our young guys, and I think our young guys across the league and across all sports, we need to be um, really supporting them uh, in, during this time because it's very easy. Um, and I pointed out an article that we'll probably touch on shortly uh, that, that I wrote this morning, um, how they're, they're not able to prepare. Um, you know, we don't necessarily see what they're doing to prepare uh, in the weight room. Like Darius is, you know, is, a, is a gym rat. He's a huge gym rat. I know that from uh, conversations I had from other people, from, seeing him on, on social media, but just because he doesn't post it doesn't mean it's, it's not happening. 
and you know they weren't able to get the playbook necessarily until I think about a week ago um, because of the, how the NFL rules are structured and the calendar is structured. Um, so I think uh, us as a fan base need to be patient this year with them, extra patient with everything that's going on uh, and how they're able to prep and find ways to prep as well. Absolutely, and there, that leads me to this one last point I really want to hit on because this one drove me nuts. Um, I think Ron was talking to someone with SI, I believe. Uh, don't quote me on that, but you know, he he said, "quote If we were, if we told you, you know, you have two weeks to start the season, I'd be comfortable with Kyle Allen. He's the guy that knows the system." And to me, that was blown so out of context by the fans. Not everybody, but I saw a good bit of people. And you kind of talked about this whole, you know, Haskins not being able to prep and stuff like that. A lot of fans saw that and said, well, and I saw like legit people say this, like get ready for Kyle Allen to start the whole season or like get ready for Haskins to, you know, be benched again. And I think that is way out of, you know, what he was saying. And you brought up a good point and you talk about it in your article um, that you did this morning, you know, like you said, not being able to get that playbook. He's not able to do anything right now. I think soon, you know, Ron kind of talked about he'll be able to, you know, virtually talk with Haskins and work through things but that's not exactly what you want when you're learning a new offense and to me it's just it's a no-brainer that Kyle Allen would start because he this is the only NFL offense he's ever been with so if the season starts in two weeks yes Kyle Allen is the quarterback but the season doesn't start in two weeks and I just feel like fans need to kind of just settle down with that because I saw a lot of that the last few days of people just saying like well Haskins isn't our starting quarterback here comes Kyle Allen like, no, you know, read the whole thing. Uh, Ron kind of just narrated that, you know, with everything going on, Haskins isn't able to, you know, get that playbook and work through everything. But whenever he is able to, they'll start that process. And the plan is that Haskins will start going to training camp. That's something he said um, earlier in the month. Uh, so did you did you see anything about that? Or, you know, what was your feelings about, you know, a little bit about what you talked about with the playbook and stuff like that? Yeah, so um, I, this actually d- doesn't really surprise me that much. Um, what one, what Ron said into the fans' reaction, um, because sometimes fans will just read the headlines or the quick Twitter snippet and not do a deep dive in the article and have an initial reaction. Um, so uh, JP Finley actually tweeted out something kind of kind of cool. Um, the coaching staff uh, needs to have FaceTime with them, not actual, you know, needs actual FaceTime with them, not virtual FaceTime. Um, in order to really work with him and prep with him. And I, I agree I agree with that. You can sit, you can memorize a playbook all you want, but if you're not out there on the line of scrimmage uh, learning how to audible and do line shift and do you know, shift the offensive line and different coverages and different uh, blitz schemes, uh, it can be difficult. You know, Dwayne has a great rapport with his wide receivers, his tight ends, his running backs. He has a great rapport with all the, the players in the, in the locker room. Um, but there is an actual physicality uh, of getting on the field and dealing with it and, and being able to go through the motions and have a mental checklist. You know, he has three seconds to get a ball off he, um, as soon as he drops back. So how are things going to break down? Or he has, you know, 10 seconds to audible and change things. Um, so I think that's where Kyle Allen comes in. And when Cam was released, there was news of Cam being released. Um, there was a lot of talk of Cam coming here. Um, I didn't think that was going to happen because I figured Cam would want to go somewhere where he has a chance to start and that wasn't going to be here. And also, I figured the cost was going to be too high. 
Um, so uh, who, who would the next option be? And then when Kyle Allen became available, who the New England Patriots were actually apparently looking to trade for, um, it, it, it made sense because it's somebody that is a culture guy who knows Ron, knows the offense, and God forbid, you know, the team has two weeks to prep before week one of the season. Is that going to be enough time for Dwayne to get everything down to hit the ground running against, say, the Eagles or the Cowboys week one? Um, Dwayne's a smart guy. There, there's been a ton of talk, and he's shown it about how smart he is when it comes to digesting a playbook uh, and being able to talk football. Uh, but is, would he be able to put it together fast enough on the field? Um, in, a, in a game scenario. I think that's where Kyle Allen comes in, and it won't be for the season. I think if that were to happen, it would be for one week, two at most, only to let Haskins get accustomed to the verbiage, to the audibles, to um, everything that Ron and Scott want him to do. Um, I don't see this being Dwayne Dean benched for the year. I think that's an over-exaggeration, and, and people need to not think that and not immediately jump to that conclusion. Um, Absolutely. And that really brings me to your article of what to expect and kind of the obstacles that Dwayne's, you know, having to face this off season and how he can overcome that. So just give a quick little preview of, you know, what we could expect, you know, diving into that. Yeah. So I, I it's just a quick snippet. Um, Dwayne was out with uh, Darius Geis the other day, uh, I think out in, Centerville or somewhere else uh, in Western Fairfax County, Eastern Wyoming County, um, putting some work in with him, doing you know working on his dropbacks. Um, you know, guys needs to to get back get into football shape. He you know he's coming off his second knee surgery, um, and it was just a few pictures showing that that they're working. They're they're doing what they can. You know, that now that they have the playbook, they can probably start working on you know certain routes that that guys will be uh, utilizing in the in the passing game or uh, certain routes that. Dwayne is seeing in the playbook being like, oh, okay, so maybe I need to start working on, you know, these certain routes and these certain packages. Darius, go out, swing out, and then, you know, route X, Y, and Z uh, for me. So, and get Dwayne's timing back and everything. So he's trying to find ways to, while obviously doing responsible social distancing um, within reason when it comes to passing the football um, and, and working out like that, uh, he, he's showing that he's putting the work in. Um, I, I think he might have been hearing the critics a little bit saying, oh, what is he doing to prepare? He's not preparing, so on and so forth. So he just kind of went out there, uh, was doing his thing, knew he needed to practice and prep as much as possible as he can. Um, and just giving the fans a little snippet saying, hey, I'm here. Uh, I'm ready for the season to start. Let's let's go. So that's basically what it is. And I, I think he's, he's doing what he needs to do to prepare to be the starter day one. Um, in any given situation, whether it's, you know, the season starts, you have two weeks of practice and the season starts, or um, they have a full training camp and he's QB1 from the word go. Yeah, just staying fresh and being uh, football ready. I'm surprised 106-7, the fan, hasn't said anything about Haskins not wearing his social distancing mask while he's working out, but I'm sure that's coming up later on this week, uh, so get ready for that. (laughs) But, Alan, definitely appreciate uh, the articles you've been pushing out this offseason uh, shines a lot of light in some situations that, you know, we as fans don't, you know, comprehend 100%. So I just love how you do bring that insight to everything. Uh, go ahead and tell the fan base how they can follow you and keep up with all your work. Yeah, so uh, you can follow me. I'm on Twitter at Alan Lepore, A-L-A-N-L-E-P-O-R-E, one word. 
Um, and you can follow me full press coverage, uh, Redskins. You can follow that handle on Twitter as well. And then any articles that come out through the website. We do have a, an app. Apparently, I just found out you can download it on your phone, so you can pull that up easily. Um, pull up articles uh, relating to the Redskins or you know WWE or the NHL. Um, really, any sports content you can think of. And um, you know, my DMs are open. If you have any questions about articles, you can shoot me a, a tweet uh, like that. I'll get it. I'll do my best to respond. Um, but you know, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate the opportunity, and uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing what the draft holds within two weeks. Man, it's so close, <laughs> and I had no idea we had an app. So uh, recently, uh, Carmen, our group chat, also with full press uh, coverage. You know, we talked about everything, and we've you know we've been talking about our network and all the guys that we have in our team. You know, we have podcasters, we have writers, uh, we have you know video guys like Steve from Let's Talk Redskins, and we have all these guys that can you know come together and push out great content. And uh, you know, me and Carm talked about it and and uh, put me on the team as part of full press coverage Redskins as a, one of the podcasts. So super excited about that. But we really do have an awesome team of guys that just support each other and want to give out the best content. So definitely follow them. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's uh, full press coverage's Twitter is uh, FPC underscore Redskins. So give them a follow on Twitter and definitely follow Allen's pleasure having you on. We'll definitely be talking uh, after the draft and excited to see what happens, man. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, man. Anytime. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.